So there's the idea of the ACC making $72 million, which to me just doesn't seem like enough when you divide it as far across as they would be doing it. If they add by three schools, SMU from Dallas, Texas, Stanford and Cal from the Bay Area. Yes, the Atlantic Coast Conference becoming the all-coast conference. So to try to lend some perspective to this and uh, make sense of it, if we can possibly do that, is veteran ACC reporter Dave Glenn, North Carolina sportscaster of the year multiple times. He also contributes to the North Carolina Sports Network and Chapelboro.com. It's Dave Glenn, or he's Dave Glenn, and with us here on the Fast Lane. Dave, is this really going to happen? It's still a guessing game, Ed, because as we've discussed in other recent weeks, when you need under ACC bylaws 12 votes out of the current 15 ACC members, and remember it's university presidents that are casting these ballots, when you need 12 and the recent straw polls have been 11 to 4 with Florida State, Clemson, UNC, and NC State as the four strong no's, well, that means if you get one person to change his or her mind that you go from a no on Stanford and Cal and SMU to a possible yes on two of those three or maybe all three of those three. So that's why it's been touch and go. Uh, when the four no's were solid no's, it was dead in the water. But they keep debating how this new money, the new TV money coming with expansion would be divided and especially schools like Florida State keep clamoring for a larger share of the pie rather than the equal revenue sharing that has been a trademark of 70 years of ACC history. It's all about the money, of course, and these potential newcomers are trying to make it as amenable as possible to the current ACC members by agreeing to take small financial shares, or in SMU's case, no share of the new TV money, Uh, And, of course, that lets the ACC spread that new money around among its existing members even more. So uh, I don't think Florida State and Clemson are going to be convinced. But obviously, if either UNC or NC State or both change their minds, well, then what was looking dead in the water a week ago all of a sudden starts to spring to life. Dave Glenn with us here in the Fast Lane. Dave, my math is not the best, but $72 million extra, if you spread that out amongst 15 schools, and maybe that needs to be changed to 14 if Notre Dame's not going to get anything out of it, it's an extra, what, $5 million a year, $4.8 million a year if you add SMU, Stanford, and Cal to the ACC. Is that really even worth it, considering the amount of expenses you theoretically would be incurring for all of the other sports properties that you have to shuttle to and from those now very remote locations? Well, it's it's all about the money, and it's all about the math. And the ESPN deal with the ACC requires them to give a certain amount of money to the ACC in new cash when the ACC adds new members. Now, what is that exact number? I've seen various reporting on that. I've also seen that reporting leave out the increase in value of the ACC network. For example, when the ACC network is carried in in, uh, states like California and Texas, the people receiving that channel are paying a tiny, tiny amount to receive it. If all of a sudden the ACC network goes from out of market to in market in a place like Northern California, for example, which has millions of TV households, or a place like Dallas, Texas, and Fort Worth, which has three million TV households, 
Well, whatever percentage of them have the ACC network, they go from paying pennies and nickels per month to more than a dollar per month. And that's, that's tens of millions of new dollars for the ACC network. Now, remember, those tens of millions of new dollars are split between ESPN, which created the ACC network, and the ACC itself. So whatever that new cash is is divided between the league and its TV partner. But even when you do a little bit more math, I think your bottom line remains the same. This debate has been about whether a handful of new millions of dollars per school, and I'm not even sure it's going to be as high as the five that you mentioned after you do all the math, after you subtract ESPN's cut, after you add in the new travel expenses, because it's not like you're only flying your football team coast-to-coast. you got to fly all those other teams coast-to-coast and all those other sports that don't generate the money that football does generate. When all the math is done, I think $5 million per school in new money is optimistic, and that's why I think there has been so much skepticism, at least among a handful of schools, to this point. David Glenn's show, to keep up with his insight, North Carolina Sports Network and Chapelboro.com contributor, and YouTube sensation with us here in the fast lane. Dave, we're not embellishing. We're just telling the truth. You've got a wonderful personality and face for YouTube and uh, I wouldn't say Twitter on social media because that may not be the, the wisest compliment, but we'll go with YouTube for you. The ACC, though, you mentioned the potential for changing votes and that you don't think it'd be Florida State or Clemson to change their votes. Would it be North Carolina? Would it be someone else? I mean, where does this get changed to all of a sudden SMU, Stanford, and Cal being added to the conference? Well, I think there's an awful lot of pressure on somebody like Bubba Cunningham, the University of North Carolina athletic director, because he has to this point been one of those who's both on the one hand criticized Florida State publicly for the Seminoles being so public with their antagonistic comments toward the Atlantic Coast Conference. Everybody wants more money, but the Seminoles were really the only ones screaming bloody murder and claiming that they were about to leave the league or, or leave the league soon. One small problem, of course, neither the Big Ten nor the SEC has extended an invitation to the Seminoles. But that same Bubba Cunningham has been criticizing Florida State in that capacity, has been voting with Florida State. He also hears from his own coaches on campus who don't necessarily want their student-athletes in non-revenue or Olympic sports to be traveling coast-to-coast more often or more, more than necessary, especially if the financial gain is a relatively small one. Meanwhile, you have the dynamic of two public universities. I mean, Ed, you lived in your state. How politics got involved when the ACC was expanding – UVA, of course, was already a member, but Virginia Tech wanted to be a member. And all of a sudden, the state legislature and state politicians got involved, and UVA kind of went to bat, kind of, sort of, for the Hokies. And the next thing you know, the Hokies are members of the ACC. Well, state and Carolina have been attached at the hip not only for the whole 70-year history of the ACC, but you know they've been conference members in other leagues even prior to that. So... Are they a a voting block of two? Remember, Duke and Wake, of course, are located in North Carolina, but they're private universities. They do things on their own. Uh, They're not tied to the state legislature the way both state and Carolina are. So that just adds to the dynamic here. And I say Bubba Cunningham is kind of in the driver's seat, whereas Boo Corrigan would be in the passenger seat, the Wolfpack's athletic director, because the bottom line is UNC is also one of the most valuable properties in the ACC. In, in a 
in a world where football TV money is the tail wagging the dog, the most valuable properties in the ACC are, of course, Notre Dame, if it were a full member. It's still independent in football, of course. But the next most valuable football properties are Florida State and Clemson, and that's why you hear them threatening to leave the most often. But in that same sense, UNC as a large public university that's legendary in men's basketball but very successful in a lot of other sports and at least good enough in football, the Big Ten has been trying to get the the UNC folks to join them for a decade since Maryland took the Big Ten's offer to jump to that other wealthier league. So Bubba Cunningham is in a position of power in some ways at UNC, but he's in a very delicate position because he is – he is as central to being the swing vote for whether this league expands or not as there is. And meanwhile, remember, Florida State knows it doesn't have an invitation from the Big Ten or the SEC, but the Seminoles, if they don't get what they want in these revenue-sharing debates that go along with the expansion debates, it's not just do you add these three new members, it's who do you divide that new money equally or do you divide it in a way that rewards TV eyeballs and postseason success and other things. The Seminoles even have run up the flagpole that they might try to go independent. Now, they still have to deal with the exit fee. They still have to deal with the grant of rights, and we've discussed that. But there's a lot of planets in Bubba Cunningham's universe right now as everybody's wondering which way the Tar Heels are going to go. Dave, last one on this, and we'll wrap up with a football question momentarily uh, on actual football, not this other stuff, which is called (laughs) realignment. Uh, And we appreciate your insight from David Glenn's show here in the Fast Lane. Florida State, would they be difficult just to be difficult to spite the ACC since clearly they have been barking and looking to find a way out even though they clearly don't want to sacrifice the uh the buyout plus the 400 million dollars in uh you know projected revenue they would miss out on at least well i think they feel the need to make noise for a lot of different reasons one they want to placate their own fan base that fan base you know has debates with uh, the florida gators of the sec and they view themselves as a multi-time national champion which they are of course 10 years ago under Jimbo Fisher, a couple times under Bobby Bowden before that, all three of those as ACC members. So they view themselves in part because they can get three times sometimes the TV audiences in football of what Wake and Duke and Boston College can get. So I think the university president in Florida State chooses his words more carefully, but some of the board members, some of the other public figures who speak for FSU – Uh, Some of them have said it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And it's because they don't want to fall behind by $30 million per year per school. As they're trying to beat those SEC schools and Big Ten schools on the field, they don't feel that the status quo is is good enough for them. And they know that 70 years of ACC equal revenue sharing is the rule, but they've already asked the ACC to change those rules. And the more they scream publicly and the more the the current ACC presidents believe that there's some risk of the Seminoles either challenging the grant of rights in the court of law or going independent and just kind of breaking glass in case of emergency, a lot of those other presidents don't want those headaches that would come with the Seminoles leaving. So I, I think it's really it's posturing. It's 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 leveraging the other ACC schools 
in the hopes that they will make all of the changes to the revenue sharing model that the Seminoles have been asking for. Oh, the Game of Thrones type approach. And of course, it bleeds into the start of the season. But we will put a stop to that with Dave Glenn here in the fast lane on W226BG Timberlake, WVGMA Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, and across the Virginia Talk Radio Network in the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Dave Grant Wells, starting quarterback for Virginia Tech. Devil you know better than the devil you don't really know all that well? Is that part of the thinking behind Wells over Kyron Drones? I think that's a good guess, right? I mean, he's he knows the system. Um, he has had success in the past. I mean, that was a guy who was first-team All-Conference USA during his time at Marshall. He did not get much help from his running game last year. Hokies were at like three yards per carry, which is pretty bad. Um, and he has to take part ownership of that as well. But, I, yeah, I think your analysis is correct. Um, he was not good last year, but nobody around him on offense was very good either. So they think the running game will be better. They know he understands this offense better than anybody else does. And at least in the opener, he's going to be the guy with the hope that it can look more like the guy who was very good for the Thundering Herd before being not very good for the Hokies last year. Dave, thank you for appeasing us with mostly all the nonsense surrounding conference realignment, mm-hmm. although it does generate headlines and ratings and all the fun stuff. And wrapping it up with a question on football, happy start to the football season. And in a couple of days, even though it's week zero, we can at least enjoy what's going on on the field for a period of time. Amen, my friend. And I'll hit you with one fact on the way out. Grant Wells has more college career starts than any ACC quarterback with 34. So maybe experience is one more reason that he got the nod. There is a sector of fans in our backyard that would love for that to be the case, Dave. We love your insight as always at David Glenn Show on Twitter and look forward to more of it uh, before we step before you hopefully step back into the fast lane with us at some point in the future. Thanks, Ed. Always good to be with you. Keep up the good work. Dave Glenn with us here in the Fast Lane. That is how we wrap things up. And now it is time to go belated but still live to the Zach Gelb Show.